My name is Shane Sin Carnell Xu. I'm the co-founder of Shake Up Cosmetics. What I love about beauty is how it's so much beyond skin deep. It's more about how we feel, how we see ourselves, and how we see the world. From New York City, you are listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Welcome to Beauty Is Your Business. This is Denise Dente, your co-host for today's show. I am here with my co-founder, Jessica Quick, and co-host for today's show, Jess, it feels like we've been talking about skincare and men's skincare ever since I started in the beauty business. So on today's show, it's going to be really fun to be buzzing about this gap in skincare and gender. So I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm excited. Yeah, I agree. It's a long time. I feel like this is a conversation decades old, and it's always inspiring to have new companies come on board, new founders come in with a fresh perspective. So I'm definitely looking forward to speaking with Shane and Shake Up Cosmetics and how they've really looked at this market because there's some very stark differences that I've seen within this line that I'm excited to dive into in today's conversation. I know. And I can remember sitting in some of my very, very first meetings about how to grow the skincare category. And it seemed like every time a marketer raised their hand and said, I've got an idea, let's go after the men's market. And men's skincare has been on the radar screen, like I said, for 20 or 30 years. But cracking that code is something very interesting. And you've been able to do that. And then we also looked at you know some of these statistics, which is why I think marketers and brands are really excited about this. And what we see is that this year, it's anticipated that men's skincare is going to be about $33 billion and then forecasted to be somewhere around $67 billion by 2030. So I think that that's why everybody is anxious to capture it. But Shane, let's get to you and what you're doing at Shake Up Cosmetics and some of your initial success. And you've just recently launched. So we are anxious to dive into this conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thanks for all the interest and the very accurate description of the very exciting market that we operate. And it's my pleasure to be on the podcast. So thanks for having me. We are a relatively young brand and we launched in 2019, just before the pandemic happened. So perfect time to launch a new brand, obviously. So it's been a massive roller coaster, as you can imagine. And We've had to pivot and zig and zag just to adapt to a new norm. But we are super excited. I think you know we've been on quite a fast trajectory in terms of growth, mostly thanks to the international expansion that we managed to achieve during the pandemic years. So yeah, happy to share our experience so far. Well, before we step into the brand and what you've been able to do both locally in your home country of the UK and internationally, your background you actually came from more of this creative marketing and advertising in the beauty space, not having a brand. And then, like you said, you've launched Shake Up Cosmetics during the pandemic. But take us back to sort of the genesis of <laughs> you're in an agency, you're running it, you own it. And then you decide, I've got a great idea. 
let's have a brand. So I think a lot of people that are in the agency business contemplate that after working with brands. So let's talk a little bit about that and the fact that you're in business with your brother, your twin brother. Yeah, my co-founder is also my twin brother. So people who are familiar with our brand probably already know this is actually quite a setting point, I think, you know, especially when we speak to new customers, it's quite an icebreaker. So my background in beauty is in marketing and a creative. I'm a designer by trade. And my brother and I actually, the same two co-founders actually created the agency about 12, 13 years ago, mainly a creative campaign agency, working with brands to help them engage with their customers and launch new products. And a lot of our brands partners were beauty brands. So we were working very closely with Soap and Glory, Boots Number no. 7, Dermalogica. So those were our day-in-day-out clients. And we've learned a lot working with those brands, understanding their challenges and you know how they launch new products. But actually, like any other businesses that we come across before, the need or the idea really come from personal needs. So my brother and I, during our teenage years, we were suffering quite a lot from skin challenges like rosacea, redness, breakouts, and you name it. So we were definitely looking for products that we ended up creating, to be honest with you. And I realized it was very difficult for us to find skincare products or blemish coverage products that were suited our needs mainly because most brands, actually back then, all of the brands were speaking to female consumers. So very little brands, even today, you know, if you look at the market, it's still very much of a blue ocean. Not many brands are actively and single-mindedly, you know, create that dialogue with male consumers that are looking for skincare solutions or blemish coverage solutions to combat blemishes or combat skin challenges so they can also feel good about themselves and, you know, feel confident when they go out So for us, it was a combination of the experience that we had running the agency, working with beauty brands, as well as our personal passion in the industry and our personal experience and journey, finding the right products for ourselves. You know, we combine all of that together to launch the brand. That's how it came about. I always love a partnership because it's one of those things where when it works, it works really well, but most cases it doesn't. And so choosing to partner with your twin brother obviously sets you into a kind of a different path. How do you divide and look at the roles? Do you both have very different skill sets or have you made a very clear distinction about what you're doing or do you have a blend? That's a really interesting point, actually. I think for me, and I probably speak for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's very difficult and it's very important actually to find a co-founder you know, that share the same vision, that work towards the same goal, that you're always on the same page. You know, it's difficult for anyone who, especially like a control freak like me, <laughs> you know, and trying to make sure that we don't fall out, trying to make sure that business don't suffer just because, you know, you might have a differences with your co-founder. I heard that again and again and again, and then it can be a downfall for a lot of startups. So for me, I'm lucky that, you know, I've always had a co-founder, always found a co-founder in my twin brother, who I trust 100%, as you can imagine, and we trust each other explicitly and we will always know that we have each other's best interests at heart which is a shared best interest for the business so that has never been a problem and I think you know for me I really find myself lucky in that and I also feel a single founder business is always going to be tough because you need that sounding board you need that just different perspective and have someone to have a discussion about bounce ideas around so I've always found that in terms of a skill set I would say with Jake, we have overlaps in terms of where we are both very similar, but crucially, we also are different in terms of the way we deal with business, the way we approach things, and also our general attitude. So I would say, generally speaking, he's a bit more 
proactively pushing things forward, more enthusiastic about ideas, whereas I am more logical and more sensible, and then providing that kind of, but what if, or, you know, but think about that, let's hold on a bit. You know, sometimes I ring him back, but actually quite crucially, sometimes he does push me forward because I think we need that. Otherwise, we're never going to make progress. So we do have that push and pull, which is great. But at the same time, I think we're both very aware of our shortcomings as well. We know where our strengths are, but we're also very aware where we're not so good at. That's when we seek advice from our board advisors and they've been absolutely godsend and they've been very supportive, very helpful. You know, they're there whenever we need them to be, but they don't micromanage. And I think for me, we're lucky in that way. We're having a very supportive board who are not disruptive, but, you know, quite the opposite. You know, they're instrumental to the growth that we've achieved so far. I think we can resonate and appreciate that being business partners ourselves, it definitely helps to have another person on the team. And then, like you mentioned, board advisors, people that you can speak with on a regular basis. Let's pivot a little bit into the company itself and some of the products and how you developed the brand because you have achieved enormous success in a very, very short period of time. I believe that within the first two weeks of having the brand, you were able to get into Harvey Nicks. Harvey Nichols, I guess I shouldn't short track that, which is, I think, you know, every entrepreneur's dream. But one of the quotes that I heard you say when we had the chance to meet in Cosmoprof Bologna, and I actually wrote it down because I thought it was profound. You had said, beauty and makeup have no gender, but skin does. And I think you said that to me right away. And I wrote that down because I think that that is a fascinating point of view. And I'd like to have you expand on that because I think it's the foundation of the brand. Yes, it is. And thank you for such a encouraging, warm words. And I consider we have achieved a phenomenal success, but we definitely have a lot to celebrate about. That's for sure. And it's always important to reflect and, you know, be proud of what you achieved. And, but there's always mountains to climb ahead, as you guys know. And I choose to try to stay humble most of the time. And it's that kind of imposter syndrome manifesting sometimes. And I'm very fully aware of that. But put that aside, how we formulated products. I mean, First of all, I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the beauty market is, itself is very saturated already. You know, if you look at the women's market, it's pretty much wanging one out. And from our point of view, we know the retailers around the world, they're looking for different ways of tapping to new markets, bringing incremental revenue, not just requisite products. You know, no one needs another deodorant. No one needs another foundation for no reason. For us, it's very much about finding the blue ocean because we're a startup. We don't have millions and millions of pounds to throw at this. So finding a blue ocean rather than competing into red oceans is always very important. So that's the strategy from day one. And the men's market is very much providing that blue ocean. You know, we know that there's very little innovation going on. If you look at the men's aisle in boots, in Walgreens, they're always neglected apart from the mass products that have always been there for the last 10, 15 years there aren't that many new brands and new innovations. And if you compare the revenue per square inch on the shelf versus the women's space, it's a huge, huge difference between the men's and the women's space. Now, that's a big opportunity for retailers because, you know, where else would you drive revenue? You know, where else would you increase revenue? That is where they can look at. You know, they can tap into a rising men's market they can increase the revenue per square inch by going premium rather than just sticking with the mass. You know, all of those opportunities are there and we're here to provide it to retailers. So I think 
smart retailers will spot that. And I think that's what we have witnessed so far. And I guess that contributed to our success, both in the UK and internationally. But the formulation itself is not just a marketing talk. You know, you're absolutely right. We always say to people, beauty has no gender, but skin does. And men's skin is different to women's skin. You know, it's twice as much oily because we produce twice as much sebum. It's thicker and the pores are bigger. So if you think about blemish coverage products, you know, it's much easier to clog your pores if your pores are bigger. And actually besides that, if you look at the gender-specific requirements, men, they when they use base products, they don't necessarily want people to see them wearing makeup, right? You know, they want people to look at their face and think you look bright, healthy, and fit. You know, so a lot of that needs to be taken into account. And, you know, our formulation, we actually own the IP of all our products. We create from scratch. We don't just go to OEM and say, give me whatever you've got on the shelf. We create every single formula very meticulously based on our understanding of the men's skin type, skin concerns, skin challenges. And we go back and forth with our OEM to get that formula right. And once that we've got that formula, we test it on all male consumer group as well. And we then market it at men. So when you are marketing to everyone, you're not really targeting anyone. And I think that's where a lot of the so-called gender-neutral brands are trying to really engage with male consumers, but they really fail all the time because male consumers don't feel that they can resonate with the brands when they're still massively talking to women consumers and creating products for women consumers. So for us, it's hugely important that we have that dialogue with male consumers or deliver education in the environment, in the method, and the way that they feel comfortable. And we speak to them directly, give them the solutions that are designed for them so they feel like this brand is for them rather than just a box-ticking exercise. So it's a lot of thinking behind the creation process of the products as well as the brand positioning. But at the same time, if you look at our products, the design is not your typical masculine style you know we are so sick and tired of black and white silver and blue you know down the men's side it's almost like men's colorblind or something you know everyone wants to have a bit of a glamour on their cap and the shelf you know everyone likes beautiful looking products so why not introduce a little bit of glamour and beauty to the product design so our packaging is green it's neutral it brings that you know luxury feel to skincare and it also has no mention of only for men on it so if you like, look at our packaging, it's very much gender neutral. So that's the way we control this balance. Because I do believe the future of beauty is genderless. It's just that between now and then, there's a long way to go. And the only way to achieve it is to tailor for men. And then so that's the only way to bring more men into the beauty conversation. Like Denise started the show saying, Denise and I in our collaboration have had decades of conversations around men's skincare, men's health. Even now, obviously, as we've been talking about men's beauty, so I am curious, what are some of the ways in which you are specifically targeting men within the marketing? Because I hear you when you say, when you advertise to everybody, it's to nobody or you market to everybody. So I'm curious in your expertise, what are you know some of the ways in which you have found, how do you talk directly to men in this space? That's a great question. I think for us, that is a constant learning curve. And actually, so far, we've learned a lot and we've perfected our marketing methods based on our learning. So two things I would probably highlight. One is the way male consumers consume information, the way they access information online. It's very different to how women access information online, especially when it comes to beauty products. For example, you know, social media wise, 
the typical kind of trend on social media or the typical type of you know, successful platforms that are tried and tested in the women's beauty market might not necessarily work when it comes to male consumers. They don't react the way well, women consumers react when they look at a piece of educational video, for example, or a very impulse buying message on social. They don't really react the same way. So we've learned that. We had to basically change the way we tailor our content online. How do we communicate with our target customers? Where do they consume information? Where should we be to have this conversation with them? Second thing is about delivering that education. I think when it comes to men's skincare market, education is key. All about delivering the product knowledge, ingredients knowledge, efficacy of the products. So men don't necessarily go into a shop to buy a product. They go in to find a solution to a problem. So all our products are solution-driven, and that's very much the product design ethos. That, besides the hybrid color cosmetics, as our skincare cosmetic ethos. So if you look at our products, they're all multifunctional. It blurs the barrier between skincare and cosmetics. You know, the BB cream, for example, is a kick-ass skincare product with a blemish coverage feature in it. So it's all about making it very easy for men to understand why they use the product and what does it do for them. So if you look at our point of sale within superdrug stores, we are available in the UK, our point of sale are all led by solutions. So rather than calling it a BB cream, we say blemish coverage. Rather than saying it's a you know, moisturizer or serum, we put that under for dry skin, for breakout, you know, for the cleanser products. So it's all about the solution. It's all about speaking the language that the male consumers want to speak. When they're looking for a solution to a problem, they can instantly see what is available to them. But we have to talk about the sticks. <laughs> you know, Shane, that I am absolutely obsessed with the sticks. We met with Cosmoprof and I literally came to the booth saying I had to meet you because I had been seeing these sticks and fell in love with them. And we have to talk about the sticks because I think you bring something up about men aren't used to putting their fingers in cream. I think that's kind of what you had said is that they're not used to dipping their fingers in cream. That's not something that they've done for a long time, like many women have. And so you've manufactured these products in sticks because men are used to using things like deodorant. So let's talk a little bit about that format, because I think you bring up a really good point. I'm really glad to like the sticks. I mean, it's one of our best sellers, and I'm super, super proud of those um, stick format. They are our pride and joy and we have two stick products currently one is called hydrate in a hurry which is a solid moisturizer another one's called you do the mask which is a solid face mask with charcoal so you're absolutely right again it's from that principle of creating products for men in you know, considering not just what they need but also how they usually use it you know what's the format they are most used to what are the formats that doesn't put them off you know that's the thing so take the Hydra in a hurry. It's an amazing formula. It melts on your skin. It's got cucumber water, cucumber extract, vitamin E. And it's super easy to carry. It's tiny. It's portable. It looks cute. You can throw it into a wash bag and gym bag. When men finish gymming, we'll finish a swim in the chlorine, a rich pool. Your skin does feel tight and dry. Rather than opening a jar of moisturizer, which would be so much fat and so inconvenient in a lot of men's eyes you just simply take this one out twist it up like a deodorant wipe it onto your skin have that instant hydration instant boost of hydration and the mask again we consider the, the traditional mud mask which is very 
messy, right? And actually very wasteful. You know, personally speaking, I feel like half of the jar is down the sink because that's on my hands and I have to wash off. And I feel like it's messy, it drips everywhere. And a lot of the charcoal masks leave a lot of residue, a lot of color on my face as well. So we decided that, well, a lot of men don't feel that appealing. In fact, from our research, a lot of men don't use mud masks because they think it's just so complicated. So by creating a massive crayon, <laughs> men feel very fun to use and you don't need to use your hand. It's more hygienic. You twist it up, draw straight on. It's so soft. It comes up very easily. You control the dosage as well. You don't end up using too much. And you put a lid back on, there's no wastage, no mess. And this formula is amazing because it doesn't only just contain coconut charcoal and colin clay, it also has coconut extract. So actually, once you've used this mask stick, your skin feels supple rather than dry. I use it all the time and it's amazing for anyone who lives in you know, polluted cities. But I think it's important to mention that the stick format, we didn't invent this. Like, you know, we're not the first one to do it. In Milk Makeup, for example, has a lot of stick format products, but they're not made available or promoted to male consumers. Male consumers never understood the benefit of those kind of product format. That's what's really astonishing to me when we first launched those two products. The number of customers come to us to say, oh my God, this is ingenious. You know, how did you come up with this? I'm like, we didn't. <laughs> you know, this is not our doing. But it is really about that, isn't it? You know, that's why we're here. We are translating tried and tested technology ingredients innovation that are already existing in the women's market which is so much more mature and advanced but translate that into the women's space so we can deliver that education and share and democratize the benefits of skincare or component innovation so the men can be part of their conversation as well as you pushed obviously on these products and we talked about earlier in the show your success has been attributed as you said to your international expansion I want to kind of dive into that a little bit because with that, are you seeing a response? It sounds like a, a strong response in men being spoken to in this way, marketed to in this way, having these product formats available to them. What are some of the experiences that you're having as you push ShakeUp out into the markets outside of the UK? Are you experiencing the same reaction or is it different? What has been the eye-opening experience for you? All of it. I mean, talking about eye-opening, I think for me, the most humbling part of running ShakeUp in the last three years has been talking to consumers all around the world and see how much they welcome our range. I think that's probably the most humbling experience I've ever had in my life. I think the contexts are always different and in the consumer behavior are different market to market and demographics are different as well. For example, in Asia, our consumer demographics seems to be a lot younger compared to our customers in the UK, for example, or in the West in general. But besides that, one key fact that really sort of sums it up, which is our global bestseller is our BB Tinted Moisturizer, our let's face it, BB Tinted Moisturizer. And that is a color product. Now you would imagine that the bestseller might be something that is more skincare based and maybe cleanser or moisturizer, which is probably more commonplace. Not so. I mean, it's the BB cream. Who would have thought that? You know, clearly that shows the men all around the world have the need to use cosmetic products, but they've been neglected and there's not been a brand that are catering to their needs. We just came back from an epic trip. We went to uh, Cosmoprof Singapore. 
we had a whole week of exhibition there. And then after that, we traveled down to Australia and we met up our distributor in Australia, had some key buyers meetings, which went super well. And then we had an amazing PR event in Melbourne, thanks to um, the PR agency that works with our distributor, Down Under. And the whole experience was just amazing. And you know, I will never, ever forget that. Such an amazing memory and just the moments that really made me feel so proud to do what I do. And I think talking to customers at those events and in the shops and at the PR events as well with the ordinary customers as well as influencers, everyone has been saying, thank you for doing this. We've always needed a brand like you to kind of cater for our needs. A lot of people are sick of just the run-of-the-mill products. They are looking for something better. They are looking for something more premium. They're looking for some brands that are able and willing to help them up their skincare game, not just giving them bash, bish, bosh, bosh, you know, standard basic products. And they were very grateful they were doing that. And, you know, at the same time, we were grateful that they were sharing this experience with us as well. So from our point of view, we are super encouraged by it. Obviously, if you look at Asia, we launched in China in 2020, and that by far is our one of the biggest markets. Asia provides a very interesting market when it comes to men's beauty. They're influenced by K-beauty, um, K-pop, you know, this sort of delicate glass skin look. But we are starting to see that being translated into the West as well, albeit in a different context, we're influenced by different culture. Take Harry Styles, for example. Harry Styles is the symbol, I guess, in today's world that blurs the barriers between femininity and masculinity. You know, that barrier is no longer clear. And I think, you know, the new generations are pushing the boundaries and really trying to express themselves in whatever shape or form. So I think we really welcome that. So the cultural contexts are very different in each of the markets, but I think the response so far are quite similar and it's always been quite encouraging, which is great to see. Well, you speak to our heart as well. You know, our heart is in international, working with, you know, lots and lots of countries. And I'm curious about some of your experience when you talk about lessons learned, because I know when Jessica and I would travel to these different countries, and we also have lots of great memories and experiences from Australia, <laughs> a lot, <laughs> especially Australia for some reason. Especially Australia. <laughs> but when we would leave these markets and come on the cab ride towards the airport or on the plane ride home, there was all these conversations around, oh my gosh, I learned this or I discovered that. And it impacted how we move the business forward. So I'm curious, since you did just make this last trip, and it sounds like it was successful, not only from a business standpoint, but learnings. When you got on that plane, on the plane ride home, what did you guys talk about? What were some of the lessons learned or pivots that you're considering making based on the feedback that you recently had? Right. Wow. Interesting question. So much. I mean, we've learned a lot from this trip and obviously because it's it's a very busy schedule as well you know Cosmoprof Singapore was a very big eye-opener and you know we compared to Bologna different different crowd slightly different vibe as well but it definitely worth doing both because you'd get to see different group of people I think we made a lot of really valuable connections and a lot of the conversations that were already got followed up very quickly 
since the show and you know, we're in, in negotiations with some of the potential partners already right now. So that, fingers crossed, will turn into some really tangible opportunities for us. So the learning from that is very much about, you know, you just need to show up, you need to put yourself out there all the time. As a small brand, you always decide where do you spend your money. Marketing is always tight. Traveling is expensive for a UK brand to go all the way to Singapore. That costs a lot of money and a lot of time and for a whole team of three people out there. But we're really glad that we did it. And I think for us, we want to continue to do it all the time because I think trade show is one of those most important opportunities for you to press the flesh, get to know people and just show up. You know, people will see your brand again and again and again. They know you're a serious player. And sometimes opportunity might not happen straight away, but it will happen further down the line. So that's a big learning. Second thing is when we were in Australia, we really saw how hard our distributor worked, you know, how much they cared about our brand, how much they invested to grow our brand. And that was very humbling. You know, to find the right partner all around the world is the most important and most difficult thing for a lot of brands because they are your representatives in that local market. You have, you put so much trust in them. So to see how they work, to see how much commitment they have put into growing our brand in that market is incredibly humbling. Okay. So I have to ask you about the U.S. Okay. (laughs) Where are you with the U.S.? Are you in? Are you coming in? When do we get to see you? Talk to me about the U.S. market. Right. Well, that has to be a watch the space kind of answer. It's a very, very, very important market, right? No one can neglect U.S., but it's also a very hard market to crack. It's a graveyard for a lot of British brands that wanted to do it and haven't done it well, where they weren't ready to do it, but they did it anyway. So for us, we want to take a very careful approach. People always say you can't do China and U.S. at the same time, and I think I agree. <laughs> so we spend a large amount of time to crack China, and we've done that, and we're going to continue to develop that market. And we've obviously launched in Nordic and Australia, South Africa. Those are the markets that are, you know, where we're putting a lot of effort and resources in as well. So U.S. requires a lot of effort and the full attention, and we won't do it unless we can afford to give that the attention that you deserve. But I think we get to a point where there are some really tangible opportunities we're looking at. So yeah, watch this space. Well, we're excited. We're excited to see you come to the U.S. So we're looking forward to that. But Shane, today has just gone very, very quickly. There's so much more that we would love to ask you. And we know that your brother wasn't able to join us for this show. You guys, I think trying to get you in the same room might be difficult considering how busy you are this is much better (laughs) yeah (laughs) agreed agreed no it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show i do hope that we get to see you in person again if not sooner than bologna maybe at bologna but it has been a pleasure to have you on the show we love what you're doing for this space and like we started the show you know you really are shaking up the men's category and so People, they may want to reach out to you. They may have some questions for you. How can they reach you? How can they reach Shake Up Cosmetics? Yes, please do. Whatever questions you might have about products or, you know, our story, 
we welcome any kind of conversation. So we have an Instagram account, which we monitor all the time. We have a full team looking after that. So shakeup.cosmetics, that's our handle. You can also reach out on our website or you can just email me directly, shane at shakeupcosmetics.com. So, you know, I welcome anyone uh, that wants to get in touch. And I want to thank you for having me as well. And it's been a pleasure. And I think for me, it's very important for us to spread the message, which is the pursuit of beauty is no longer an exclusive concept to women. It is actually the embodiment of self-care. It affects directly how we feel, our self-worth, our self-confidence. So everyone deserves it. And then for me, it's about time that every man that wants to have a product that belongs to them, that can make them feel good and look good, then we're here for it. Well, we encourage our listeners to head on over to Shake Up Cosmetics, take a look at it, and reach out to Shane and his brother and follow up with the brand. So thank you so much for coming. And our listeners, if you want to keep buzzing with us, head on over to buzzbeauty.com. This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.